Thank you. Well, what's up, church? Uh, so today I'll be speaking a little bit about how the church can engage matters of racism, hatred, polarization, you name it. Anything that is divisive towards a spirit of reconciliation. So thank you, Pastor Nick, for inviting me to, to potentially speak on um, the toughest, most divisive issue ever known to man. Um, nice way to slowly ease me in. I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so I, as some of you know, my name is, my name is Joel. Um, I think one of the reasons that uh, Pastor Nick wanted me to give a message uh, this evening is partly because of uh, the job I do at IWU. Um, and as some of you know, I, I serve on the Senior Administrative Cabinet at IWU for diversity and inclusion and intercultural initiatives. Um, I don't feel like a senior, I, I, but, 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 I, but I guess I, I serve in that capacity. And um, with that being said, the message I have tonight is probably going to challenge all of us. Uh, in fact, I'll be surprised if it doesn't. It may even frustrate and anger some of us because it may push against certain norms and values that we've come to internalize and almost see as truth. So I wanna encourage can you guys, okay. Um, I want to encourage all of us to not see this message as just like a one-time message. Uh, I really want it to be one where, where we're able to grapple with, we're able to pray about, we're able to sleep on, meditate over, but most importantly, I think, seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit on. Uh, some of us may also be tempted to put my message in a box because of who you see standing in front of you. So I'm a, I'm a black male who is an administrator over diversity and inclusion, intercultural initiatives, global programs. <clears throat> uh, and especially in light of what's happening around us today, uh, you may be tempted to preemptively sort of assume what I'm going to say. I'm going to challenge you on that, and, and you'll see and hear why in a moment. So tonight's message is going to touch upon what I would consider three foundational themes that we find in scripture, and hopefully a sort of thorough analysis, well, as thorough as I can get this evening, I suppose, uh, can help us make sense of the world we see around us, but also I think we as Christ followers and as a church can help us think about how we can engage and respond. Again, I think this is going to be a challenge for us because as Christians, I think at times we often revert to the separation of the church and the social, political, and cultural state 
when we try and justify our intentions to not talk about politics in church. Yet, I wonder whether, without sort of the critical investigation that is needed, I wonder whether we allow these same social, political, and cultural philosophies to be read into our biblical narratives. I think it's something to think about. Well, actually, maybe I'll be more direct. I think many of us, perhaps unintentionally, have slathered culture and politics into our understanding of God. Yet somehow we find discomfort engaging how Christ followers should respond to matters of politics and culture. I think both of those are dangerous positions. Let me just get that out of the way. By the end of this message, you will find that the Lord may actually call us to an inverse understanding of those ideas. Perhaps we all need to investigate ways culture has perverted our understanding of God. And perhaps the church and its people should rather lead in discussions of culture and politics, especially in times like these. Which I should mention, for many people who look like me, is not new or recent. So the reason why I've asked you to not preemptively kind of put my message in a box or assume you may know or think what I'm going to say is because although I'm black in America, and as you've noticed, this, has lent, this lends itself to claims of marginalization and, and oppression, I was raised in West Africa where, well, everyone looked like me. And I'm also a child of privilege as well by African standards. So I've, I've actually lived in two worlds. The world that I was brought up in taught me I could achieve anything I want. The color of my skin, my accent, my body type was of absolutely no consequence. It was normal. I was normal. This has shaped who I see myself as and what I believe about myself and others. As you'll soon find out, so did the church and faith tradition I grew up in, for good or for bad. So the, the for good or for bad became painfully apparent when I moved to the United States as an 18-year-old back in the dark ages of 2001. My journey in the US has forced me to have to do two things. And it's two things I'm going to offer to you guys as well. And two things I'm still in the process of. 
the first thing is I had to radically unlearn certain African cultural norms and preferences as theological truths. Let me say that again. I had to unlearn certain African cultures and norms as theological truths. But along the way, and, and as you can imagine, that's kind of painful. It's hard. But along the way, I also encountered the true fullness and breadth of God in ways I would have never understood if I were to remain in the homogenous society I grew up in. So being here in front of all of you, I experience more of God just by being here in front of you. So here, here is my provocative stance. My job, I was sort of forces me to, pro, to be provocative, so. Here's my provocative stance. If you are a follower of Christ and challenged with the world we see around us, I'm going to encourage you to do two things if you haven't already. We need to unlearn the harmful social, political, and cultural lenses we've unintentionally placed on our understanding of God. Because this has a direct impact on how we view others. There is no two ways about it. Then we need to intentionally, with purpose, relearn about the people of God, his, his prized creation. which we may have a distorted view about. With these two goals in mind, I think we become able to reorient our understanding of people. But the best part, and, and I suppose in my humble opinion, is that this process allows us to gain a fuller picture of God himself. Can I, can I get an amen? I've always wanted to say that, thank you. I probably will. So here are some of my provocative thoughts that I'll expand upon later. I think as Christians, we have an incomplete picture of Imago Dei. And this is the first theme that I'll be discussing tonight. The theme of Imago Dei. I see this as a central problem that leads us to a gospel witness that is soaked in cultural norms and beliefs that play out in how we view others. And that's the second theme that I'll be discussing, our witness to others. This unintentional, dare I say, systemic, but still corrupted witness moves us further away from the spirit of reconciliation that Christ mandates us to. And that's the third theme that I'll be discussing, reconciliation. I'll be using myself as an example along the way to bring these themes to life. 
and in each scenario. You know, it will be a crime if I didn't talk about myself, if I'm entering the world of discussions of bias, privilege, so on and so forth. So I'll be using myself as an example. It, it, it may be emotional for me at times, but this is hard work. So I'll be mentioning what I had to unlearn and, um, and what I had to relearn along the way. And maybe as we go along internally, all of us can do the same. Maybe all of us can think about, what are some things in my life that I need to relearn? What are some things in my life that I may need to actually unlearn? Sound good? Okie dokie. Let's pray. God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in front of this church. Um, thank you for each and every individual in this room. I pray the words of my mouth and um, the meditations of my heart are pleasing to you. And Lord, I pray that um, the ears of um, everyone in this room and hearts are open to you as well. Thank you, Lord. All right, y'all, having a child is nuts, <laughs> right? So especially around the age of, what, nine months, ten months, I suppose, that, that uh, my sweet Abigail is right now, they mimic everything you do. And my parents should probably be like, yeah, absolutely, I went through that. I don't think Rachel or I realized how often we coughed or cleared our throats until Abigail came along. Because right after we do it, here's Abigail really cutely. <laughs> A complete copycat. So this happens so often lately that I've, be I've begun to think probably a little earlier than I thought I would. But I've begun, I've begun to think, what are some of the things that she is just unintentionally picking up just by nature of being in our household? We don't intend it. It's not intentional. But she's watching, she's hearing, and she's mimicking. So there may be some actually unhealthy things that Rachel and I do that unbeknownst to us, she's just looking at. <laughs> it's kind of a scary kind of proposition for me. What I've come to realize since moving to the United States is, is that I'm Abigail. No, not cute and squishy, but <laughs> in sentiment. And actually, I think, I think we all are Abigails. So no condemnation here. I'm not trying to be critical either. But we all have things that were most likely formed at an early age that we just kind of carry around with us. They could be blind spots. They could be biases. They could be just things that we've mimicked. And I think we, we all have them. And we just sort of unintentionally carry them wherever we go. 
And yes, even in church. We don't just lose them because we enter the four walls of a building. I think we lose these things when we delve deeper into a better understanding of Imago Dei. So let me explain. Imago Dei is this idea that we're all created in the image of God. If anyone has their Bibles open, we'll go VBS style. Who's the first one that can get to Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 